It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. You can also check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of the show and be sure to follow me Julian Council on Twitter at Julian Council where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show to participate in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag either at me or DM me on Twitter at Julian Council the Carolina Panthers fall 26 to 24 at home in their week one season opener against the Cleveland Browns and there's plenty to get into Baker Mayfield's debut how the defense played Let's first talk about the two controversial calls at the end of the game. And honestly, they're probably not very controversial considering you're a Carolina Panthers fan and you're listening to the show and you obviously feel aggrieved about what happened. The one thing I absolutely hate at the end of any sports contest is for the officials to insert themselves into the narrative of the game. You never want to notice the officials. They should just be out there in the background making sure things don't go awry. But on Sunday afternoon, unfortunately, the officials became a part of the narrative here in Carolina. And I mainly hate it because in this instant where the Carolina Panthers lose this game, oftentimes 
people are mad as hell and their judgment is clouded by the coals and they forget the things that actually led to them losing, like the Panthers' offense being a complete no-show in the first half, like the defense getting gassed once again on the ground. Those are things people like to flat-out ignore because they want to blame the rest for their team losing, even though the Carolina Panthers did so many things today to lose this game, but were fortunate enough to have an opportunity late to win it, and they thought they did when Baker Mayfield did something that Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold did not do the last two years playing a quarterback position here in Carolina. So we'll get into all those things that really led to the loss here in Carolina, but I cannot ignore what happened in that final drive as the Panthers were up 24-23 to after a 34-yard field goal by Eddie Pinheiro to give them the lead. And the thought was, that was the game. The Panthers' defense needed to get a stop going up against a Backup quarterback in Jacoby Brissett, who quite honestly was pretty off it throughout the whole afternoon. And especially in the first half where if he connects on a couple of those throws, the Panthers are probably down three scores. But he didn't and allowed Carolina an opportunity to be in this game and try and win this game. The first one, the roughing the passer call on Brian Burns. Brian Burns, who probably had the best game of any of the defenders out there. I know that uh, the first-year Panther playing safety, and Xavier Woods led the team in tackles. Really, Brian Burns was someone who was active all afternoon long for the Carolina Panthers. Gets pressure on Jacoby Brissett, is bull-rushing Jedrick Wills, the left tackle of the Browns, and his arms are up, and the refs throw a pass or a rough in the pass or penalty. Upon further review, when watching it on the replay, and Jay Feely, Sparrow who were both on the call, both saw what we all saw, what it looked like to me is that Burns pushed Wills into Brissett, and it was Wills whose helmet made contact with Brissett's helmet. It was not Brian Burns whose helmet who made contact or his arms that made contact. And even if his arms had made contact with Jacoby Brissett's head, it would not have been a penalty. Because this year, according to Matt Rule, the NFL has changed the rule to where if you slap a quarterback on the helmet, it's no longer a pass interference. For whatever reason, the NFL has gone out of its way to protect every quarterback because Tom Brady was injured one season a couple years ago. That's what they decided to do. And they have come to their senses and decided to get rid of that. But Brian Burns did not commit a, pa- a rough and pass or penalty at all. To me, in live action, it looked like he committed one. But once you slow it down and look at the replay, very clearly, Brian Burns didn't do that. Unfortunately, that is not something that can be reviewed. And for the ref who's sitting there watching it live in fast action, it's hard to get that play right and to see the nuances of what actually happened. So as much as I hate that call, I look at it more as tough luck for the Carolina Panthers and obviously, yes, a missed call that did not lead them to have an opportunity that led Cleveland or gave Cleveland an opportunity to move the full the football. Now that being said, the Panthers still had an opportunity to get off the field. And they finally did get off the field with Cleveland setting up a spike. But when Cleveland was spiking the ball, Jacoby Reset took it, apparently kind of bobbled it, faked the spike, I don't know, and then spiked it. To me, If you grab the ball and if you drop it, you cannot spike it. That would be intentional grounding. You have to maintain control of the ball and immediately spike the ball. There is no movement of stepping back two times. You have to immediately spike the ball. 
from what I saw, that should have been intentional grounding. And then a 10-second runoff, which would have led the Browns with three seconds left, and I believe that's a 15-yard penalty, right? So then that becomes a 73-yard field goal opposed to a 58-yard field goal. Instead, the referees say that they faked a spike, and then he spiked it. Not a great explanation at all. The first one, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Because watching that live, that looked like a roughing the passer. The second one, that is a blatant missed call. A terrible missed call by the officials. The Carolina Panthers did themselves no favors this afternoon. The offense was MIA throughout the entirety of the first half. The defense could not get off the field. And even with Cleveland being aided, With that rough in the passer, Carolina has to get a stop. They have to be able to push the Browns out of any sort of field goal range for Cade York, who in his first game ever nails a 58-yard field goal. So tip of the cap to him for being able to do that. But it's unfortunate. It's a deflating loss for the Carolina Panthers. Yes, it's only one of 17. Let's not get too caught up in one game and get too emotional. The Carolina Panthers have plenty of opportunity this year to be a good football team. I'm not going to change my thoughts of the Carolina Panthers because of one game. Now, this is a game, in my opinion, that they needed to win because they were playing against a backup quarterback who played as poorly in the passing game as Jacoby Brissett played today. For me, though, it's deflating. Because this is a young team that needs to learn how to win. They had finally, finally been able to have a quarterback to orchestrate a last-minute drive to put them in a position to win the game. The kicker, finally, after all the misses from Joey Sly, made the kick. And it looked like they were going to be playing Sweet Caroline and people were going to be singing after that game at Bank of America Stadium. But unfortunately, aided by the referees, And a gas defense, the Panthers lose on what is simply a spectacular kick by Cade York. The Browns probably a more deserving football team throughout the day, if we're being honest. Just the way how they controlled the game, time of possession, running the ball, didn't turn the ball over. Carolina had the turnover. Baker didn't look great to start off. But even still, just a tough loss week one to make all these mistakes and to still be in position to win the game, then to capitalize at least offensively and to take the lead late only to give it away with the help of the referees on Sunday afternoon so unfortunate Carolina lost that game the refs didn't help them in the end you never want to leave up to them but still that's two calls especially the second one that they just can't get wrong but as I said four more things that led to the loss than just the performance of the referees later on in that game for Carolina. We'll talk about the offensive struggles in the debut of Baker Mayfield and why on earth Christian McCaffrey did not touch the ball as much as he used to do in the past. We'll get into that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Here's the lesson. You don't want to be that guy, and you certainly don't want it splattered all over the internet. The guys at Brightco Jewelry Insurance will make sure you get a replacement for the full value of that ring, no matter if it's lost, stolen, or you just can't figure out what happened to it. Go to bright.co forward slash locked on. It's the fastest, easiest, and cheapest way to cover your butt with the best jewelry insurance in the business. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Cleveland Browns 26, the Carolina Panthers 24 as the Panthers dropped their week one season opener against the Browns, a team that had not won a week one game since 1995. The first time they've won on the road to start a season since 1993. I was six months old the last time the Cleveland Browns achieved this feat. And going into this game, and as I was watching it, and going back to the conversation I had with Garrett Bush and Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns, there was a lot to like about Cleveland winning this game. For me, Carolina, offensively, I didn't know what to expect. We barely saw them during the preseason. Robbie was out with injuries. Terrace Marshall, who I don't even know if we saw at all today, was out with injuries. Christian, of course, wasn't in the preseason. The most that we saw of them in the preseason was in that first half against Buffalo a couple weeks ago. Really, as a first-team unit, they've only had three weeks together. So that was a major question mark for me when it came to the offense. Defensively, we saw they did last year against teams that were in the top ten in the league and rushing. Plenty of question marks for me going into this game. But the one thing that I was going to fall back on was the Cleveland Browns find a way when it's week one to lose that game. And it looked like the Carolina Panthers had snatched it after the Cleveland Browns let Carolina hang in there. But unfortunately, that was not the case. Now, the problem for Carolina and why they had to come back and try to win this game was offensively, they just were off it to start off the game on Sunday afternoon. I get it. It's week one. There's plenty of teams. What turned out to be a wild 1 p.m. slate. There were plenty of teams that get out there and they struggle in the first couple of drives to get something going. Now, I'm watching the Kansas City Chiefs game behind me. Patrick Mahomes, that offense, they look just fine in week one, but they have the continuity, even with new receivers. Carolina really did not have the continuity. To me, what I saw was an offense with a starting quarterback who was not there for OTAs and minicamp because the front office could not facilitate a timely trade, an offense that did not have continuity because of the sham quarterback competition between Baker and Sam Darnold, who was never going to start this game against Cleveland. Also an offense that had been together as a first-team unit for a total of three weeks. Like, I did not have high expectations for them going into this game. So many unknowns. The only known commodities, honestly, on this offense were Taylor Moten at right tackle, Chris McCaffrey at running back, and DJ Moore at wide receiver. Outside of that, I did not know what I was going to get from Baker, from the offensive line as a whole, from the tight end position, from Robbie, the other receivers. Plenty of question marks. And the thing, too, about this, as I'm watching the game and I'm talking about it, I was not ever trying to press the panic button. That's why it's important. If you follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, read the entire thread. But I was not trying to press the panic button, but it was clearly a work in progress, but not exactly what you wanted entering week three, or week one, excuse me. And the frustrating thing about it was a lot of it was avoidable, not doing the competition and just giving Baker the one reps. And I understand in the name of meritocracy, getting that deal done 
on night two of the draft instead of trading up and getting Matt Corral, who's never going to play a meaningful snap here in Carolina. All those things played a part in Baker Mayfield in this offense getting off to a slow start. And Matt Rule and Baker both said it, and Baker put it on himself, but they both said it after the game that we cannot start slow like that. And starting slow when Cleveland really wasn't doing that much offensively either. Like, they were moving the ball, but they weren't capitalizing because Brissett was missing some open receivers like Amari Cooper who beat um, J.C. Horn and like Kareem Hunt who was down the sideline wide open. They had an opportunity to still be in that. And they were in the game even despite the ineptitude of offense in the first half. As far as Baker goes, you know, didn't look good in the first half. Absolutely did not look good. I mean, first half stats – 10 of 19, 101 yards, one interception, 46.2 rating. Like, wasn't great. Ian Thomas, they got that one drive right before the half. Good to see that. It's good to see them starting to get a little bit of momentum, a little bit of mojo. And as far as his debut as a whole, it's going to take time. And like I said last year with Sam Darnold, as much as I did not believe in Sam Darnold, I was not going to make a sweeping judgment of him and his performances until we got to later into the season. Now, when he got benched in week seven, very clearly we knew right then and there he was not the answer. As far as Baker goes... I'm going to give it some time as someone who believes that Baker is going to be a major upgrade from Sam Darnold this upcoming season. It will be a big part of this season and why I think the Carolina Panthers will be a playoff team. And I get the setup setback today, still 16 more games to go. 16 for 27, 235 yards, 8.7 yards uh, per, att- or, uh, per completion, one touchdown, one interception, sacked four times for lost 28 yards and had an 84.7 passer rating. Like Baker, it was good. There was bad. The good brought the team back. The bad, four tip passes. And on the broadcast, like they were talking about the Browns' defensive coordinator. We, and we went into the week talking about, you know, would the Browns have an advantage? Would Baker have an advantage? Because he knows those guys. Well, clearly it looked like the advantage was on Cleveland's side where the defensive coordinator, I think Joe Woods, knew Baker well enough and wanted to keep him in the pocket because Baker is a shorter guy. Get your hands up. Bats and passes. We saw four tip passes in that first half. And overall, I think he had another one in the second half. So that's four or five for the game. Then when it comes to drop snaps, I don't know what's going on with him. Pat Elfline, not something that we saw during the preseason at all in limited snaps. I don't know if that was an issue during training camp and practices the last couple weeks. Was it nerves? I don't know. But four drop snaps for Baker is inexcusable. And they got lucky that none of them hurt them. Actually, one of them ended up being one of the best plays of the day when Christian McCaffrey picked it up and ran it for 20 yards. And speaking of Christian McCaffrey, where was he at on Sunday for the most part? We've had the conversation the last couple of years about, oh, how many snaps should Christian McCaffrey play? Should they limit his reps? Okay, there's a lot of you out there that want that to be the case. Are you cool with three carries for nine yards and two receptions for two yards in the first half? Are you cool with that? Overall, are you cool with 10 carries for 33 yards and a touchdown, four receptions for 24 yards? Is that what you want? Every carry that does not go to Christian McCaffrey is a wasted carry. DJ Moore, Deontay Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, four carries for 15 yards combined. Wasted touches. I don't know why Ben McAdoo was abandoning the offense, and Matt Rule stuck up for his OC saying we were in a lot of second and long, third and longs. Okay, you're in second and long. Why can't you go and run the ball and get five yards and make it third and seven opposed to all the third and tens that they were facing on Sunday afternoon? Like, I, I don't understand that logic. You have the best running back in the league when healthy, and you don't want to give him the ball. I understand that you want to maybe dial back his touches if you're a fan of the team, 
Like, you maybe don't want him to touch the ball 30 times. But they go from 30 to 14? No, that's not acceptable. 25-20 range. But especially when the offense is struggling, that is someone who needs to touch the ball. They should not have been trying to lean on Baker's arm. The one thing that we knew about this offense that you could rely upon was Christian McCaffrey running the football, when he's healthy, of course. That's what they should have been leaning on against Cleveland on Sunday afternoon and not putting themselves in a situation where Jadavion Clowney's coming from this side and Miles Garrett's coming from the other side. And speaking of Miles Garrett, went into this game talking about the matchup between him and Icky Iquanu. Icky, going to be a good player. I think he's going to be here for 10 years as a starting left tackle. This is his first game against one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, a former defensive player of the year. Of course, Miles Garrett was going to get the best of him. If you told yourself that wasn't going to be the case, you're either an idiot or you have just toxic positivity all in you. That was going to be a reality. And I was telling you that going into the game. Back-to-back snaps, Icky got beat badly by Miles Garrett. In the second one, they had Tommy Trimble over there to help him and did not help at all because Tommy didn't really do much. And then once he got to Icky, Icky couldn't do anything either. That was really the most that we heard from Miles Garrett all day. It's going to be a learning process for Icky Iquanu. I would not look at what happened on Sunday and be discouraged. He's going to get got a couple times. But other than that, he seemingly held his own, and I didn't see the Panthers putting too much on his side as far as let's add a tight end here. Let's add a running back there to give Aki some help. Like, they did it, but the most part, he held his own. Like, giving up two sacks, Miles Garrett, honestly, that's something to be expected. Overall, with this offense, I don't get too concerned. Offensive line, got to be better. It's going to take some time. Continuity is a big thing with the O-line. And we go back to the sham quarterback competition. Also go back to Icky Kwanu and how long it took for him to finally be in there with the first team next to Brady Christensen. And one of the things that they try to do, at the very least, before giving Icky the first team left tackle job was to put him in there with Brady and Bradley Bozeman so that those three, at the very least, on the second team could gain some sort of continuity on that side of the ball. It is going to be a process. Eventually, Pat Alfine will not be the starting center, and it will be Bradley Bozeman. Once those five, oh, those three I mentioned, plus Austin Corbett at right guard and Taylor Button at right tackle, once those five finally get to play with each other every day in practice and in all these games, you're going to see the improvement from that unit. As far as the first game of the season, a little bit of a tough start. Got to be better rushing the football. 54 total rushing yards, ain't going to do it. Especially when you have McCaffrey. They have to be much better on the ball. Because one thing that we know in the last couple of years, while they might stink in pass protection, they can at least move the guy in front of them and set up some rushing lanes for McCaffrey, who honestly had one run where he had to break four or five tackles on the way to like an 11-yard gain. Just give Christian the ball and you have an opportunity. So not going to press the panic button after week one of this offense. But a lot of it felt avoidable had the Panthers brought in Baker earlier or just give him the job right off the bat opposed to the whole charade of, oh, maybe Sam can be our starting quarterback. That was always ridiculous. This offense, what we saw in the second half especially, that's an encouragement. We did not see from Joe Brady the last two years. The adjustments, we saw that in the second half on Sunday afternoon. That is something to point to and be encouraged by. They got it done. Baker, has as far as, far as that last drive, we had never – under Teddy or Sam Darnold, seen that as far as a game-winning drive. 
Sam brought him back last year against Minnesota after the offense did nothing all day to send it to overtime. I was impressed by that. Definitely impressed by Baker at offense as they were able to get it together and get the ball down the field and set up that game-winning drive. Now, the one thing I did not like about that was them playing for the field goal opposed to scoring a touchdown. Mainly was don't give it the kicker who you signed up a week ago. Don't leave it down to him to win the game. But also, score a touchdown. Because if you score a touchdown in that situation, down, what was it? They would have been down 21 to 23. You score a touchdown, that's seven points. I mean, what, maybe even eight. I mean, yeah, score seven points, so 30, 30. I mean, you're up by a touchdown. I, I just – you would have forced Cleveland to go down the field. But instead, they decide to get conservative, go for the field goal, and that decision, in part with the refs and the defense not being able to get out of the field, led to Cade York's 58-yard field goal, and the Cleveland Browns coming out victorious at Bank of America Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Speaking of the defense, Phil Snow – Awfully prickly when asked about his defense's inability to stop the run earlier this week. Well, Phil, seems like an issue still. We'll talk about the Panthers' defense as they certainly did not live up to the hype on Sunday afternoon here in just a minute on Locked On Panthers. I hope everybody crushed it in their fantasy leagues this weekend, but I got a place that I need y'all to check out either tonight or really anytime because Prize Picks is an awesome daily fantasy website. Pick two to five players. And if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis. The understanding any sport you watch, even cricket, you can use prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and up north in Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 of promo code LOCKDOWN. So, what you have to do, if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKDOWN at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 when you download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As I mentioned to you earlier, going into this game, I had a lot of question marks of what this offense would actually look like considering we had not seen a lot of them during the preseason, training camp, and especially as a first-team unit, looking at the offensive line, looking at Baker Mayfield, the wide receiver core, which outside of DJ and Robbie, and I guess Shai Smith got, I looked like he was a third wide receiver. Still plenty of questions as far as how that's going to shake out as LaVisca Chenault was a part of the inactives for the Carolina Panthers on Sunday afternoon. Like I had questions about what that unit would look like. I had questions about the kicker. And as we saw with Eddie Pinheiro, when called upon to hit a clutch field goal, made it, did not miss an extra point. A lot of, to like as far as Pinheiro goes. The one area that I did not have too many questions about was the defense, considering that 
you have players like Jeremy Chin back, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Shaq Thompson, J.C. Horn, Dante Jackson, a unit that was second in the league in total defense. Now you look at it, there are some areas like in the red zone where they struggled, in takeaways where they struggled, and no takeaways today, but especially in the second half, they stood tall in keeping Carolina and at offense as they started to come along in that game by only allowing two field goals until the final drive where they gave up that last field goal, again, aided by poor officiating. But overall, it was not a good day for the Carolina Panthers defense. And if we looked at any area of that defense and you looked at the Cleveland Browns, the concern lied on whether they could stop the run. Last season, when they played against teams that were top 10 in the league in rushing, they were one for four, or they were one and four, excuse me. The only win coming on the road against the Arizona Cardinals when they didn't have Kyler Murray, who is one of the key pieces of that rushing attack in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Other than that, New England ran all over him. Philly didn't run all over him until the fourth quarter. We saw Minnesota did. Dallas, it was not a great situation for the Carolina Panthers against top 10 rushing attacks. And Cleveland was one of those, and that was the main concern going into this game as far as Cleveland Browns were concerned. Because I looked at Jacoby Brissett, he did not play well enough to beat Carolina today. And for me, if the Panthers are going to lose this game, it's that the Browns are going to run all over them and that they were going to get takeaways. Well, the Browns got the one takeaway of the day, and they did run over this defense. The Browns carried it 39 times for 217 yards for 5.6 yards per carry. Earlier, earlier this week, excuse me, God, can't talk today. Phil Snow, the Panthers' defensive coordinator, was asked about the Panthers' struggles against the run a year ago. And... Didn't seem to like the question, dismissed it, saying, oh, I, I don't believe that. We were eighth against yard per carry a year ago. Okay, well, that's very true. They were also 18th in the league, middle of the road, when it came to yards allowed per game. We saw what they did. They were either getting gashed or they were holding a team under 100 yards. Illustrated by nine times last year they gave over 100 yards rushing, eight times last season they held a team below 100 yards rushing. The Panthers do not have a good rush defense. That has been the case the last couple of seasons, the last two under Phil Snow, and even before that when Ron Rivera was still the head coach here in Carolina. It has been an issue, and it was an issue once again as this team flat out just got bullied all afternoon long by the Cleveland Browns offensive line. And credit to Kevin Stefanski, the OC or the head coach and OC for the Browns for the run concepts that he drew up, and also credit to Nick Chubb who ran for over a 150 easy and the Kareem Hunt, and everybody back there for the Cleveland Browns because they went out there, they knew what they needed to do, and they got it done against this Panthers defense. This can still be a really good unit. But teams saw the tape last year, and they're going to see it again this year after one game that all they have to do is bully those guys. That's a team that we can run over. We can run through Derrick Brown. We can run through Etor Grossmiles. We can run through Matt Ioannidis, who had to go out there and get an IV because he was tired. We can run through them. We're not concerned about whether the Panthers can stop the run. That's how teams are going to look at it. Next week when they go to New York, they're not going to try and put the game on Daniel Jones. They're going to try and put it on Saquon Barkley. And when they play the Saints, it's going to be the same case. Teams are going to look at this and see that they can run on the Carolina Panthers. And until they get this shirt up, they can't go from good to great. Takeaways are great. Stopping a team in the red zone, which they did today, that's great. But if you're getting ran all over and you're on the field all day, that doesn't help. And the offense certainly did not help this defense, especially in the first half at the time of possession, which, again, was 
massively on the Cleveland side. Let me pull up the time of possession stats right now. Um, I mean, Cleveland ran 74 plays. Carolina's 50. 355 yards, 261. Time of possession on the game, 38-26 for the Browns, 21-34 for the Panthers. Panthers' defense wasn't great against the run in the first half. They gave up 100 yards rushing in the first half anyways. The offense slowing, the slow start by the offense did not help. They must be better against the run if this team is going to be better this year. Like, the defense is the one aspect of this team where a lot of people out there who believe in Carolina, myself especially, thinks that that can help carry them throughout the day. But they can't control the line of scrimmage. It's going to be impossible to be a successful team, even if that offense takes that next step. And they, second half, laid a good foundation, have to be much better, need to get off to a fast start next week on the road against the Giants at MetLife. Overall, it sucks to lose week one. Obviously, the Browns never win a game in that situation. You lose to a backup quarterback. You didn't play well overall, but you still had a chance to win. And as I said earlier, it would have been awesome for Matt Rule and for a young team to get a gutsy win like that to start off their 2022 season and in year three for him. It would have been awesome for them to get that momentum, that confidence, and to head to New York and hopefully win. Now, next week, they cannot lose that game. They lose that game. The fire rule crowd is going to be boisterous. And I told someone last night, the one thing I did not want to deal with after week one was a Panthers loss and having to hear from those people. I know they're still out there, and they certainly were vocal on Twitter in the first half. I appreciate what Matt Rule's team showed in that second half, the adjustments that they made, and really just the toughness to hang in there, get a couple of stops, even if they couldn't get a three and out defensively, and to give the offense a chance when the offense got that chance. They took advantage of it, but unfortunately, it just was not enough. It is a long season. Be pissed off if you want. I'm not going to tell you how to feel. Just understand, it is a long season, one of 17. Plenty of time for the Carolina Panthers to figure it out. Again, cannot lose next Sunday at New York, but plenty of time for this team to grow. And I would think that they can point to how, hey, we didn't play well. It took us a long time to get going. We couldn't stop the run, but we still had a chance to win the game. And I'm not necessarily here for moral moral victories as much as that's going to sound like one, and absolutely I guess it does, and maybe that's what I'm saying. Overall, I'm not necessarily here for moral victories, but it's a process to go from being a team that tore it down to the studs. That's only won 10 games the last two years. It's a process to go out there and learn learn to win. They almost got it done today, and it sucks that they didn't because that is something they could have pointed to. There's positives to look at from this game. There's also negatives and plenty of things for the Carolina Panthers to clean up. And the old adage is you're much better from week one to week two. We will see what they look like week two. Baker, need much more from him. Need to see much more from Christian McCaffrey. Offensive line, got to step up. Defense, got to be tougher. Cannot be soft there in the trenches. So it's one week. Panthers are 0-1. They dropped their home opener to start the 2022 season, 26-24 to to the Cleveland Browns. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, guys, make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. You can also check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show there. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council. For every single Friday, I answer weekly Friday mailbag questions. Participate in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag, either at me or DM me at Julian Council over there on Twitter. In the meantime, stay safe. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. There's plenty of time left in the season. One of 17. And as always, keep pounding 
And I'll talk to you all on Tuesday as we continue to break down the Panthers' season opening loss to the Browns. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.